Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Hello. We are live, and it is Saturday night. Hey, hey now, hey now, testing, testing, one, two, three. It's so good to be live. I feel like I haven't gone live on the channel in quite some time. Don't let that fool you, though, because I have been incredibly, incredibly busy, so busy, busy out my gills. I've just been constantly, constantly doing stuff. And all week I was thinking, man, I need to go live. I need to go live. I need to go live. And I just didn't have the ability to do so or the means to do so. And finally, when I saw that the brand new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film was was premiering or was, you know, um, up, up and, and and streaming on Netflix, I said, okay, that's the move right there. And then I saw someone online mention that it's that, that it's lean and mean as they described it. They said it was a lean, mean film, meaning that it's, you know, uh, it, it's not a, a terribly long and that it's a really mean. It's really gory. And um, the, that combination also had me going, all right, this is this is the move. And boy, oh boy, uh, I think that it indeed was wow <laughs> wow lean and mean doesn't even begin to describe what that film is it is both lean and mean how many more times can i say the word lean and mean in a sentence um we also we have to do an un an unpackaging an unboxing here this was shipped from uh riotstickers.com hq from sharpie riot he sent us a package i don't know what's in it I told them I was going to open it up online. So when we get to our sponsor, sponsored break, we will do that. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Let's let's dive into it, shall we? So there, this is a weird series. This is, you know, I guess you can compare the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series to the Halloween series in that you have these two franchises that have been endlessly sequelized and remade and or re revised in some way, shape or form in hopes of sort of capturing the, the magic that, you know, um, sort of fueled the, uh, the, the popularity of the franchise. And um, they, they've both, they both have benefited from it and they both have suffered from it. We all have our, beloved uh halloween sequels and our beloved uh texas chainsaw massacre sequels the ones that we love and the ones that we don't love so much and what also is funny about halloween and texas chainsaw massacre what's going on amy how are you and also uh hello to jd as well i saw jd up there um the the other thing about about this series is that it's just the, the, oh, no, sorry. Sorry. Just lost my train of thought. Just lost. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I figured out what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say is both of these series love to use the same title over and over again, and it is really annoying. Which one do you like more? 
I, I love when Bob Rose, my friend, shout out to Bob Rose. He always says it like this. Uh, what do you like more? Uh, uh, Halloween, Halloween, or Halloween? Or do you like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw, or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Amy was Amy was not a fan of 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 TCM, the new TCM. Um, you'll hear my opinion in just a few moments. Uh, Ballad had a good time with it. It's what he expected, dumb and fun. I went in with incredibly, incredibly low expectations. I was not um, I was not expecting much. But but just to get back to this point real quick. You have these series that are really, really sort of convoluted and they just keep going back and doing it over and over again. And, you know, Halloween did it with the, the new Halloween 2018 film. And um, and this Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of tries to follow uh, that same path. You know, uh, it's a direct sequel to the original and it it brings back a legacy character, even if it's not played by the same actress in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you had, uh, what was her name? Marilyn Chambers, I believe. Marilyn, some, Marilyn Burns, Marilyn Chambers, something like that. She was a, she was uh, an adult actress as well. Uh, and in the case of Laurie Strode, you always had Jamie Lee Curtis playing Laurie Strode. See, Amy says right here, I can't believe they tried to copy Halloween, the, the Halloween 2018 trend. And I'm I'm here to dis Amy, I'm going to disappoint you right now. And I'm going to actually say that I think they did Halloween 2018 better than Halloween 2018 did. And I'm going to explain why I have I have reasons why I thought I thought I, I thought it worked. It worked for me. It did not. I, I've been seeing a lot online that this has been a very, very divisive film, very polarizing. People seem to either really love it or really uh really dislike it and um once again you know these these situations are always very interesting because it's sort of like a a, a litmus test of taste and like mentality you know um it's just i don't know i just find that very very fascinating when you have something that just divides so deeply um yeah it's really weird so in terms of like here, here's the other interesting thing about both halloween and texas chainsaw massacre that's worth mentioning you know the the the, the continuities the you know the sequels the story the, the 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 continuation of the story is so fractured and convoluted and confusing that you it, it almost you it's you really can sort of make direct sequels and ignore all the other stuff which you know i personally don't like i for me if you're gonna make if I, I think you need to embrace the entire history you know it's kind of hard to pretend that a movie doesn't exist once it's been made like i don't like doing that like i want to like have everything have its little nook and cranny in place um, so like, I don't like having to use my imagination to pretend that Halloween H2O doesn't exist because Halloween, uh, 40 wants to be a direct sequel to the original because frankly, Halloween H2O is a fantastic sequel. It's the same thing with, um, uh, but, but you know, what's interesting, what's interesting about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that it's actually quite the opposite. In this case, this direct sequel actually works really well. And the reason why is because of how fractured that franchise is. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, 
Um, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake. You have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the prequel to the remake. You have Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is uh, it is a direct sequel to the first film. Uh, and you have Leatherface, another film called Leatherface that has nothing to do with Leatherface 3, which is a prequel to the original film. And now, once again, we have another direct sequel, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or no, it's just called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and that's that's just frustrating. There's no reason to use. I think I think the worst thing that this movie has going for it personally is the fact that it, it has the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Call it something else. Uh, I don't know what you I don't know what a better title is. I just don't give us any more brand confusion. It, you know what it is? It's insulting to the original films is what it is. It's like it's like you're it's almost, you know, People used to get so mad at remakes as if they were trying to replace the original film. And you could always say, well, you know, listen, the, the original always exists and the remake is the remake. But here's the thing. When you don't give some sort of subtitle to the, the film, what you're doing is you're now asking the, the viewer or the fan or whoever, you're now asking that person to uh, do a little extra labor, emotional labor, um, mental labor by putting a, a date after the title. So Halloween 78, Halloween 2018. Robbie, I'm just warning you, I'm about to spoil the crap out of this. Yeah, I'm going to spoil the crap out of this movie. So beware, beware. Um, watch if you dare. Watch if you dare. I I liked it, Robbie. I liked it a lot. So. Um, <laughs> Amy says, I think just letting sleeping chainsaws lie. No other director will do TCM justice except Toby Hooper. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I also kind of agree with that. I, I think you really can't. I, the problem is, you know, I don't know so much with Halloween, but with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're always trying to, they, they've got the Terminator problem, right? everybody's trying to do something after Terminator 2 and really you don't have to do anything after Terminator 2. Terminator 2, it's a perfect duology, right? Like Terminator 2 closes the loop. You know, you don't, you can't do anything after Terminator 2. As a matter of fact, the most interesting thing that they tried to do after Terminator 2 was in this last film. And what was that? Spoilers. They actually, they, they assassinate John Connor. And then suddenly you have a Terminator that has that has no that has no um, <laughs> that that has no mission and and becomes this other thing, which to me, I was like, holy crap, you've done something fresh and original. That's probably the most interesting thing. What was that? It was in Terminator Genesis. What was it called? Terminator. God, there was one. Oh, Dark Fate, maybe, um, which had Linda Hamilton in it. That to me was was the most interesting thing about i mean how many films have they done four, four four or five films four films right four terminator films since t2 and it took them four times before they did something that really was like whoa you broke new ground so it's like texas chainsaw massacre also suffers from that sort of syndrome let's just keep doing something in hopes of trying to capture the original spirit and they can't why because 
now we're going to we have to go back to Texas Chainsaw 74 for a second before we dive into our review. I have notes right here. I have notes to do a live review. These are my favorite things to do. Actually, I like doing the live review thing. Um, We got to go back to 1974, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What makes it great? What makes it tick? Why do we love it so much? Um, for, for starters, it's not really a Texas Chainsaw Massacre so much. It's a, it's a great title, but you know, if anything, I would say this new film actually is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre that in the first film, you know, four people are killed, five people are killed. If you include, uh, uh, the hitchhiker is also killed. Uh, so you get five people murdered and they're calling that a massacre. And again, I don't want to like trivialize the number numbers of people, you know, dying or whatever like you can't you can't you can't do that but like you know when you think of the when you think of massacre you think of 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 a of a, uh, a lot of people a lot of people and um yeah, i don't know man i don't know i just think I, I just think that calling it that like you're you're not and so when i first saw texas chainsaw massacre i was quite underwhelmed and let down i watched it in the late 90s on vhs and you know uh on a tiny little screen with all the lights turned on and was just so you know not because i was afraid i just didn't like i don't know i was just watching it in the daytime which is like not the good not a good atmosphere to take in that film and um and it took i had to wait almost 20 years later before i would revisit Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The second time I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I watched it as a filmmaker. I watched it as someone who's made a film and who uh, had studied film and voracious consumer film. And that second time I was blown away. Uh, CMJ, Christopher M. Jimenez says, fucking amazingly brutal, loved bootleg Arya Stark. (laughs) Yes. I loved... uh, Hardsty Lee is that I guess she's the um Lee Curtis's uh uh she's in Mandy. I was expecting a welcome to Raccoon City. I was expecting a welcome to Raccoon City level shit show and was pleasantly surprised. Uh Chris, I'm actually kind of in your boat, man. I really I I really liked it a lot, but I I can't I we're not we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh Black Widow says, I find it hilarious how the director said that they brought back Sally to honor her and have her pass the torch. What type of honor and what torch was there for her to pass? Let me explain. Abs- I absolutely agree that that is what happened. I was let down that she bit the bullet. Spoilers. We, You know where you were going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Like, don't even, like, get upset because we were going to spoil it. Okay? It was going to happen. So, all right. So, hold on. Let, let me, I got to ignore the comments for a minute. I'm get, getting back to what I'm saying. So, I watched it again as a filmmaker 20 years later and totally saw what everybody sees in this film. I was blown away. I was blown away by the camera work. I was blown away by the terror. But here's the thing. I was watching it this time, not as a slasher film or as a horror film. I was watching it almost as like a cult film. That's how I was watching it. I was watching it as this bizarre movie where this outsider, uh, uh, all of her friends die uh, or murdered, and she stumbles upon this house full of weirdos who, you know, make her the guest of honor at the most, you know, uh, terrifying looking dinner party uh, you could imagine. It's the, if, you know, if if the Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, dinner scene is like the campy, like the campy, goofy version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, film. And you know what's interesting? 
the Rocky Horror Picture Show film came out in 1975 and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974. And you'd have to imagine that Jim Sherman, the director, uh, had seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and was paying homage by doing the whole, you know, having meatloaf under the table and having this like uh, the, the electric saw, you know, kind of interesting, uh, kind of interesting situation here. Um, so so in any case, she's a part of this this crazy, bizarre dinner celebration at the end. And, you know, there's this old grandma. It's like I mean, it's weird, man. It's really weird. It's like it's like they you know what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. It's like asking uh, John Waters to make a cinema verte um, horror film in Texas. That's what it's like, man. Like, that's kind of like what the deal is. And it ends in one of the most, and you know, I'm sitting there and watching and the two, there are two things that stick out to me, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre that made me realize that it was brilliant, that it was so beyond brilliant uh, when I was originally so underwhelmed when I first had seen it in the, er, in the late nineties. The first, the first thing was when the cook, when she goes to the gas station uh, and takes refuge there and the cook is saying, um, you know, uh, we, we don't know the cook is in on it yet. We don't know that he's part of the family and the, and she's being chased by Leatherface. She comes inside and the cook peeks his head out the door and says, turns back in and goes, see, there's nothing out there. And suddenly I realized that like when he peeks his head out the door, Leatherface must be standing there because he was literally just chasing her and he's got his chainsaw and the cook is probably off screen saying to Leatherface like like you know what I mean like like motioning to him and it's just like it's like they didn't write that I wrote that in my head and I'm going oh this is brilliant and the other part of it was and then that reveal that he's in on it I mean just excellent and then the other part is the the end it's it's just it's moving art to see this chainsaw swinging around it, you know, um, he he's upset that Sally gets away and he just like the sun is rising and he's just swinging around this chainsaw. It's just like, it's unreal. It's just an unreal scene. And then it's like, how do you make a sequel to that? And you go, you know, they went the revenge route. Toby Hooper comes back and doing like a goofy ass version of they're, they're, they're sort of camping things up a little bit. And trying to continue the story, they got Dennis Hopper cocained up, Dennis Hopper with his own chainsaws, and he's the uncle of Sally and Franklin, and, and he's going to get his revenge. And, you know, it's I love TCM, too. Everybody, I think everybody loves TCM, too. Uh, it's brutal. It's gory. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's just a zany, off-the-wall film. But um, is it a righteous continuation of the story? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just sort of like its own weird, bombastic, crazy film. And then uh, and then Leatherface is just, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, Viggo Mortensen's there. Ken Forey. Um, Leatherface has a different family now. It's not the same family as it used to be, which is super weird to me. Um, and then, and then we're going to do something with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger before Renee, whatever her face is not Zellweger. Um, that's someone I went to school with, uh, Renee, what is her last name? Um, whatever. In any case, the winners are in this, are in this crazy film. Matthew McConaughey is a pseudo cyborg <laughs> who uses remote controls to activate his, there's a cabal, there's an evil cabal that that hires the, the family to commit evil deeds in order to, you know, I don't know, 
some sort of some sort of satanic thing. I don't I don't know, man. And then like we're gonna reboot it, but we're gonna reboot it. Um, they reboot it, and you know I haven't seen the remake in a long time. I wasn't a big fan of the remake when it came out. I was sort of underwhelmed. I thought the prequel was better. The prequel remake was better. And then we got the this re, this this direct sequel remake that sort of thing. It was a direct sequel. Terrible. Just not good. Not not a fan. Not a fan at all. Just did not. And, you know, like uh, the, the character who was a baby at the end of the, the first movie uh, is now all grown up and she's related to Leatherface and they team up. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Not not. No, doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. And I didn't even see Leatherface. I didn't see the uh, the second Leatherface film that came out in, I think, 2017. A lot of people said it was really bad and that I should stay away. And it just was bottom. It was just not on my radar. It was not on my radar. And that that catches us up. I mean, listen, first of all, I was I mean, listen, I guess it's cool that like these movies are coming out on Netflix because it's like you don't have to leave your house. You can just literally pop on Netflix and you're watching the new TCM. I mean, OK, but I also kind of feel like this is a cinematic experience that should be experienced in a cinema, man. And that's not like trying to be like um, uh, whatever, uh, 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 you know, like a hipster or something or like a snob. I just think I don't know, man. I feel like you I feel like it's something that needs to be a a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film is something that should be experienced in a movie theater and not on Netflix. It sort of cheapens the experience a little bit. Um, That said, that said, I was not like expecting what we got at all. And what we got was like actually quite substantial to me on, on many different levels. And there's a bunch of stuff not to like, which uh, as well, you know, Um, but this series, unlike the Halloween series, I think this series a um, is a series where you could do the direct sequel and it works. That's number one. So there you go. Uh, B uh, I think, as I said at the very beginning, or when we first started, I think that this does Halloween 2018 better than Halloween 2018 does. And you know what? Obviously, referring to the legacy character Sally, played by the Mandy, the Mandy uh, woman who pleasures uh, Jeremiah Sands and gets her head chopped off. Okay, all right. Let's dive into the actual review because I could just literally. I'm just going to talk in circles and circles. Let's go. To, we'll go to some comments real quick, and then we'll we'll go into it. Um, we had a, a we had a shooting last month at a local venue. Six people shot, no deaths. They called it a mass shooting. Not sure I agree. Six doesn't seem like a mass. I mean, it's sad. You know, man, you know, Vaughn, that's sad that that's the situation that like how we're classifying. And it's true, man. I think we become so desensitized to what happens in reality that we don't look at six people as a massacre. And that that to me is tragic. Like, you know, it should be considered a massacre. But between movies and like all the stuff that we watch and everything that happens in the news, it's like if the body count is not at a certain level, you don't think of it as a massacre. And that's just the sad reality of today. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying like, that's the reality. And it like sucks. It really sucks. Um, Amy says, when I saw the original lime green chainsaw, does that have gas already? LOL. Uh, the movie should have been called the Bulgaria chainsaw massacre, considering it wasn't even filmed in Texas. They should have named it that and made a newer story we aren't familiar with. Yes, I heard that it was shot in uh, somewhere in Europe, and it definitely does not look like it was shot in America. It has like a very weird sort of um, uh, surreal 
feel to it. Like it feels like uh, this weird, like dream version of Texas. Like as if this was being dreamed up and this was somebody's dream recollection of what Texas is and not actually Texas itself. I do agree there. Uh, Amy says it's incredible that a 50 year old chainsaw actually still works. Not to mention whether got to be at least in his mid seventies, a man of his age is surprisingly strong. Uh, Amy is not having it. She is not standing for this at all. She's really, uh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the contribution to the conversation in these regards. And that is one of my gripes. That is one of my tiny gripes. As I said, I, this is not a perfect group. Like this is not like a, a, a perfect, uh, uh, candy coated thing. Uh, I do have my issues as well. And one of them is not the, not the 50 year old chainsaw. I don't care about that. But yeah, that like Leatherface is like in his 70s, but he has like superhuman strength is just doesn't work for me. Um, uh, Christopher says, what's there to honor? She runs, gets tortured, escapes, runs, gets tortured, escapes, run, blah, 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 jumps in a truck. Who the F cares? There isn't much of a character. Um, Nothing against Marilyn Burns, whom that's Marilyn Burns is her name. Well, I loved in Helter Skelter, but she isn't much of a character. They gave her, I, if anything, they actually gave her more of a character in this film than she had in the original. She did not um, in, in the original. That swinging chainsaw. Yeah, dude, that like that's the scene that like you watch that and you go, oh, this is why people love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because it's just like it's so it's so crazy. It's something that like Salvador Dali would come up with, man. It's just like it's absolutely batshit insanity. Like you can't even consider it's not a like that's a problem. People go into Texas Chainsaw Massacre thinking it's a slasher film. It's not, dude. It's not a slasher film. It's like a it's a surrealist. That's not surreal. That's the wrong word. It's like it's just it's crazy. It's just pure craziness, man. The kills are, Amy says, the kills are very graphic, and I gasped a few times. The bus scene was a pure, yeah, we're going to talk about the bus scene. Sally became Dennis Hooper's character, Sheriff Lefty, and right, yes, yes, she became her uncle. She essentially became her uncle, if if that is to, if if that somehow can in, existed in the same continuity. Do your thing. I thought the line was cheesy and dumb. Uh, the movie felt more like Leatherface uh, standalone movie, uh, but without a prequel backstory. Hmm, interesting. Maybe if Leatherface could have just found a girlfriend, none of this would have happened. Yeah. I mean, isn't that like the whole deal with all like uh, with all those guys like Jason? I mean, Jason's got a big machete. Machete's supposed to be his penis and he's hacking up girls. Sexual frustration, yada, 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 that whole thing. All right. Let me go to my notes here. So. What what happens in the new film? Um, you got four people driving in an electric car to the middle of nowhere, Texas, seven hours out of Austin, uh, as as we learn in the movie. And right off the bat, a dude is complaining about a cell phone signal, and my eyes are rolling in the back of my head because I'm going, "Oh no, don't start off your Texas Chainsaw Massacre film." complaining about cell phone service we just don't we don't need that I, I, that's not a great way to win me over I, i'm trying to remember what what when i started to get one over but that was not a good way to start and i was not pleased um right off the bat uh i started to notice little nods to like the year 1974 one of them is harlow that's the town they're going to this like rundown town 
Uh, Harlow's population is uh, 1,974, 1974. I thought that was a cool little nod. Um, and I'm starting to see that there's like, here's the thing. And this is what happens with movies like this. Hold on, I better pull up the IMDb. So we have the names of, I know the original writer of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I should say co-writer, Kim Haeckel, Heichel, Huckel, Hebel. Uh, he was involved. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Took my baby away from me. Um, I know he was involved. I got, there was, definitely felt like there was some subversive, like, messaging here. Like, they they were trying to say something about um, city folk or, you know, uh, people of today's generation. And obviously, we all know the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quite clearly when that really uh takes hold uh this was directed by david blue garcia uh, good job way to go david i thought you did a good job uh the screenplay was by uh chris thomas devlin and the story was by i don't know how to say his name F- uh feedy feed the guy from the evil dead alvarez he he did the evil dead remake from 2013 that was pretty good and rondo sayag sayagas i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm just butchering everybody's name here because that's what i do and we have the names up good i actually have the names so i can uh not call people like sister one and sister two and yada 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 uh so so oh okay interesting interesting so 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 here we are here we are here we are back to my back to my um my my thing here so uh, you get the you get the feeling that there is you're getting the feeling that there is like a lot of this sort of like um city folk versus like uh locally born texas bred you know that kind of thing we have guns and you know uh you're not gonna tell me what to do and that, that a lot some of this is um subtle and some of it is like so on the nose that i might as well have just someone literally poked me in my big a big jew nose and uh was was saying it right to my face that kind of thing um and they go in there so they're going to a town i guess there's these two chefs and one of the chefs brings along her sister and the other one brings along her his fiance and you know probably my single biggest complaint about this film single biggest one is that the first act feels really sort of underbaked. Like, and, and, you know, that happens a lot. We have the same problem in Halloween H2O where, you know, it comes in at a, at a lean, lean, lean 84 minutes, and we don't really get to spend a lot of time with Laurie Strode exploring the PTSD that she suffered from Halloween 1 and 2. Because in that continuity, Halloween 1 and 2 exist, but Halloween 4, 5, and 6 do not. So confusing. Um, I kind of needed a little bit more with these characters. I didn't really care what happened to any of them at the beginning. I just, you know, I didn't. As opposed to this new Scream film where I, and maybe it's because I'm like love Jenna Ortega so much, but like, I like generally care. I cared about the new characters. I liked the new characters. I didn't want them to get hurt. You know, I didn't feel that here at all. Um, They're a bunch of, uh, what do you, I don't know, influencer they're like influencer chef sort of people. You know, they say influencer in the synopsis, but 
they they were talking about how they're chefs, but they have to they want to buy a rest they want to buy property to make a restaurant in a town. And they're hoping that by buying property as like famous people that they're gonna influence other people to come and buy property in this tiny little town, which is called Harlow, and uh sort of bring the town back to life. And this town is dead. It says it has a population of 1,974, but it really looks like the town has a population of like four or five. And one thing I noted at the end, but I'm going to say it at the beginning, is that it's almost like this town is obviously where this confrontation takes place, where, where Leatherface comes back. And it's almost like this town, which is clearly on its last legs, it's dying, it's it's going to die any second and it's like its sole purpose for existing is so that this showdown can happen, you know, but there's nobody in this town like the, and yes, it does look like Bulgaria. It does not or whatever. It does not look like Texas at all. And it just sort of the, the setting was really weird. It just the setting did not work for me either. I will say this, this town of Harlow. Uh, and like I said, we're getting a lot of this city people versus Texas people. I drive my big red truck and, you know, exhaust goes everywhere and it like makes you upset and I'm carrying a gun. And that also uh, makes you upset that that sort of thing. Um, it really gets boiled down to this. This is what I said at the time when I was watching this. I said, first act is so sparse. I need more. But here's the thing. But the inciting incident is rock solid. It goes to show that a believable motivation brings along a lot of goodwill. What does that mean? It means that if you're inciting incident and the motivation for the story are rock solid, then a lot of stuff that isn't working is very forgivable. And what I, what do I mean by that right off the bat? So they're buy, they buy this property, the four people, they buy this property uh, or they're they're there for this property, and I guess they're meeting investors and au they're auctioning off buildings that have been foreclosed on by the bank. And one of the, these buildings is the one of one of these 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 buildings used to be an orphanage. That's all we get. It was an orphanage, and the orphanage belongs to this old woman who, and she has a Confederate flag hanging out, which is something that you would expect to find in Texas, right? Like totally like it's deep Texas. I, I think, you know, and I should mention one of the main characters is a black guy and he is very upset, rightfully so seeing a Confederate flag. However, I was a little surprised at his reaction to the Confederate flag in the deep South Texas rural town. It's like, bro, like look where you are. Obviously there's going to be a Confederate flag. He rightfully so is motivated to go and pull it down he doesn't want it there i get it i i understand if it was i'm a jew if i saw a nazi flag hanging up i would want to pull that down you know what i'm saying that kind of thing so he goes into this 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 orphanage house to get the flag down and he he bumps into this old woman who's on oxygen and she's like look i've been running this orphanage here and i'm not even i'm not racist this belonged to my great granddad and you know heritage blah 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 blah, blah and like you know, uh, I used to take care of a lot of boys and she uses a, an outdated N word um, to describe people like him, if you know what I mean. Um, the 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 I don't know. Yeah. And and um, and he's like, all right, I've had enough of this. Let's get let's get out of here. 
and the, 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 the sheriffs, they come and we get this at the very beginning, you, you get the sense that there's going to be some sort of confrontation with the sheriffs and there's not. The sheriffs are actually kind of chill for, for as far as small town sheriffs go. They're kind of chill because normally a small town sheriff is like they're always going to give you trouble. But they're, these small town sheriffs are like, yeah, we knew you were coming. We knew you were coming. Just don't make any trouble in our town. But obviously, that's not going to that's not it's not how it works. So. um. So then what happens? Uh, they they get into a, a, a tussle with, and this is the inciting incident I'm talking about. They get into a tussle with this old woman and she has a heart attack. She's old, super old. And she's like, look, I, I have one person left in this orphanage. And that happens to be the character that's going to be Leatherface, right? And he's upstairs and you kind of like see him and you're kind of like thinking, is that going to be the Leatherface guy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. They set up they set up the original film at the beginning. Uh, it's like a unsolved mystery sort of thing called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in story. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is this unsolved. Like, where did he go? Where did Leatherface go? That kind of thing. He's disappeared for 50 years and Sally, she's the only survivor. So they like set all of that stuff up and you know, it works for me. It worked. I was like, okay, that's great. That's great. You're, you're, you're showing us what the original film was. You're showing us what, like, where it exists in this world, and and what it is. It's like this, like, weird, you know, folk tale, urban legend, unsolved mystery. It really happened, but nobody really knows what happened. And like, this area of Texas is like a quite clearly, like, it's like a, a hot spot for tourism for this kind of thing. And you know, they sell uh, chainsaw corkscrews, which are going to come in handy. Remember, uh, you have Chekhov's gun, but you also have Chekhov's chainsaw corkscrew uh if you see it <laughs> if you see a chainsaw corkscrew in the first act you better believe that they're going to be using a chainsaw uh chainsaw corkscrew in the third act so um so they get into a fight with this old woman because like she like they technically own her house or they think they do at least and she's like, no, I own my house. And because, like I said, they bought the property and like her house is part of the property. And there's this contractor guy who also happened to be the guy that had the gun and was like driving real fast on the road. He kind of gets involved in the mix a little bit, too, at one point. Well, that's a little bit later. In any case, she throws up, has a heart attack. Her one last ward, and we don't know how he's related. We guess he's kind of like a surrogate son to her. But she says he's real special. And basically, you're totally getting the vibe of like that she is quite literally the keeper of the piece. She keeps the chainsaw at bay. She, you know, her fragile life is all that stands between the rest of us and the chainsaw. You know what I mean? Uh, and here are these characters. Like I said, you got the the sister, the, the sister chef. Um, yeah, well, her name is Melody. Melody is one chef. And then uh, Dante is the other chef. Lila is the sister, is 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 the sister of Melody. And then uh, Ruth is the fiance of Dante. And Ruth is a paper thin character that we get, mow through in two seconds. Uh, Dante has a little bit more meat to his character, but he also gets wasted. I feel like all the characters just get wasted so quickly. They just get chewed, and with the quick runtime of you know, 80 something minutes. I mean, you can't, what are you, what are you going to do with these characters? They just get, you know, you gotta, you gotta mow through them. Um, so she has a heart attack. Old lady has a heart attack. Um, 
the the fiance and Leatherface, so the man to become Leatherface again. They they go with the sheriffs. They ride off in an ambulance to go make sure that uh, old oxygen lady is okay. Uh, and they um, she dies. She dies on the way to the hospital. Uh, Leatherface snaps, and we see that he is superhumanly strong. That's part of his, I guess, his special needsness. I don't know. Uh, he's he's superhumanly strong. And he breaks the sheriff's hand in wrist, arm, forearm in this incredibly unnatural way, like incredibly unnatural way. And um, <laughs> it's I mean, it's almost it's cartoonish what he does. He bends the, the forearm in half and the splintered bone. He, he stabs into the guy's jugular. And right off the bat, you're going like. Like, wow, that's like a really crazy, cool slasher horror death, but also incredibly ridiculous. And you're like, okay, is this what we're in for? We're not sure. Um, the, the car crashes. The sheriff dies because he takes a bullet from the, 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 the other deputy who, gets, who just had the cartoonish impaling of his femur bone into his jugular. Um, they crash, and Ruth very quickly bites it. Um, Leatherface... Because re, uh, is reborn as he takes the the corpse of of his caretaker woman who he loved dearly and she's all like you know i forget what she says to him i should have written that down she says something to him before she dies he um he takes off her face with with a with a shard of glass and ruth witnesses it and ruth's one purpose i guess this whole time ruth has one single purpose she needs to, she is the impetus for Sally because Sally is still around. Sally, the survivor who played by Marilyn Burns in the original film. She, she, um, she goes, oh, right. She says, stay at, thank you, Black Widow. She says, stay out of my room. And yes, I do agree. Melody was incredibly annoying. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. She was incredibly annoying character for a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons. Um, uh, Black Widow says, I wish we could have had more time with Ruth's character. Uh, she served a single purpose, dude, to let Sally know that that Leatherface was back. Because Sally uh, spent, and we find this out from the gas station clerk, Sally spent 40 years looking for Leatherface and could not find him. To me, I guess we should talk about this right now. To me, I found this a lot more interesting than what Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode's uh, character arc, characterization in Halloween 40, Halloween 2018 was so unbelievable to me. I just could not believe it that, you know, when you're 17 years old and this guy kills three people in your vicinity and you spend the next 40 years preparing for him to return and turn your house into a trap, you have no reason to believe that he's going to come back and get you, right? Like you have no reason at all. Like it's not like none of the other stuff from Halloween 2 or Halloween 4 or 5 or 6, none of that stuff has been introduced. He's just simply the boogeyman and that's it and he's locked up and he's old. What makes you think that he's coming for you? You could blame you could say, "Oh, it's psychosis." Fine. I'm I'm down with that. It could be psychosis. But it works so much better in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where Sally becomes a, a sheriff. She becomes a sheriff, like a Tex Texan sheriff. That worked for me. I was like, okay, I get it, man. I get it. And she just sort of lives this um, quiet life. You get the sense that she doesn't say much at all. She barely talks, that kind of thing. 
Uh, and she has very little dialogue. And I liked that. It just sucked that the rare times that she talked 50% of the time that Sally talks, she says really stupid things. Like she says like heavy handed uh, exposition ish dialogue that doesn't need to be said. Um, she has a couple of great lines before she dies uh, at the end, but, but um, you know, her first words out of her mouth are just so goofy. It was just really, really goofy for me personally. Um, so hold on. I'm not going very well by my notes and I'm uh, this is, this is not good. Chef thinks, Oh yeah. And then here's why Melody's character is so annoying. Getting back to what Amy is saying. Melody is so annoying because she thinks she knows what everyone needs, including her sister and the old lady not being alone her age. She says that, but right before the lady has a heart attack, she's like kicking her out of her house and going, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be alone. You should be like, she, like she's coming from big city, whatnot, a hey, big city, big shot coming in here to my the small town, you know, trying to sell off the town and like telling every telling her sister, hey, you need me because of what happened to you. And we're going to find out the sister actually has a pretty cool backstory. I was I was down. I was down with that. That worked for me. Truly. Um, She's terrified. The sister, Lily, she's terrified of guns, but also fascinated by them. And she was in she's a survivor of a shooting school shooting. And I thought that was wow. That was cool. That was good. Like that really, really worked. And we get a little bit of flashback of that. So it's not that like she had characterization. Melody has no characterization at all. Um, one thing that I loved about the sisters, uh, Melody and Lila, they were not traditionally Hollywood. And what do I mean by that? Like Ruth looks like, like if this was made in 2003, like the Texas Chainsaw remake was, everybody would look like Ruth. Like all the women in this film would just be like, you know, looking like Ruth. And I thought, I feel like that's really unrealistic. Like I want to see people like normal looking people. I'm not saying that Melody and Lila are, are, are ugly or not traditionally conventionally good looking. I'm just saying they look like real people. They don't look like Hollywood you know, um, starlets, you know, in, in trying to uh, embed themselves as real world people. They feel real to me. And that was a, a big plus. And I just liked I liked seeing both of them in those roles. And I wish we had more of that in general. We don't get that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just thought that that it would be I just thought that that was that was a that was a nice sort of touch flourish that sort of thing. Um, What else can I what else? So so they do. The, so what? So she dies. The old lady dies. Leatherface becomes Leatherface. He skins her face. And, you know, this harkens back to what the, the basis of Leatherface is based on Ed Gein a guy who used to dig up corpses, uh, female corpses, or mur he murdered two women as well. He'd skin, the, skin them and turn their skin into a suit and then walk around wearing that skin and his second skin. And that is uh, very, very, all the way to the very first film. You see it throughout the movies. That's very much in Leatherface's makeup. Like that's part of who Leatherface is. And 
So the idea that, that he is putting on the face to, to sort of honor, it's like to honor her and he wants to become her a little bit. He puts makeup on the face that he's wearing and he like, he like sort of like thinks about wearing a dress, but doesn't actually wear the dress, that kind of thing. It just, it, it, it all sort of ties back. It works really, really well. Um, the, I wrote here, the movie takes aim at the quote self or this is what the the contractor guy the texas guy with the with the, with the firearms she said uh he says self-righteous rich city folk uh he's like i don't need to hear anything from self self-righteous rich city folk and versus him who is a small town local texan who doesn't like to be told what to do and that is the mentality that i felt the entire time that was the message that I sort of got, and I felt like they took a lot of shots at like city people, you know, in that kind of way, or what they perceived to be city people. But you could tell that that was running through the the, the script that entire time. So, of course, this starts off, this starts off, this starts a chain reaction. He skins the face. By the way, um, they are outside when she says, I'm outside of Route 74 outside of Harlow. So we get another nod to the year 1974, by the way. Um, I was asking myself these questions. Now, is this the original Leatherface? And it seems that Sally later on in the film, she's not sure herself. She's like, I don't know. Is this is this Leatherface? I don't even know. I don't even know if this is Leatherface. Do you remember me? Do you remember me? She's going on about, about do you remember me? That kind of thing. Um is this the original Leatherface? I don't know. I really, really didn't know. Uh, he seems kind of young to be 70-something years old. You know, Leatherface had to be at least in his 30s in the original film. That would make Leatherface in his 80s. You have to imagine that this is not the exact Leatherface, or maybe this is Leatherface's son. I don't know, man. I really, really don't know. They really want to make it seem like that's the original Leatherface, which would mean... That Leatherface would have to be like 18 years old, 50 years later, that Leatherface would be a minimum of 68 years old. And much like Michael Myers in Halloween 18, it just sort of that doesn't work, man. That really does not work for me. I'm like, you know, this idea of like these superhuman characters that just don't die. They can take on take on so, so many people, um, that sort of thing. Uh, it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um we're going to take a very, very small sponsor break to let you know that we are powered by RiotStickers.com. We're running a special promotion with RiotStickers.com. Sharpie Riot. I get my stickers done at RiotStickers.com. Take a look. These are my stickers from RiotStickers.com. Check it out. Look at these. From us. You like them? Um, they are vinyl. They stick really, really nice to anywhere. Anywhere you put these stickers, they are going to stick. Stickers going to stick is what I'm going to say. But those leading competitor stickers, they don't stick as well as Riot stickers do. So that's number one. That's what I want to tell you. Second of all, we're doing a special promotion. Normally, this deal would be $59. It would cost you $59 to get 53 inch by 3 inch stickers. But if you use the promo code from us and the link that's in this description, you're going to get 3 inch by 3 inch stickers. 53 inch by 3 inch stickers. That is approximately a surface area that looks something like this right here. See that? Boom. That is a lot of real estate. These are actually two by three or 2.5 by three, but that is a lot of real estate. 
to 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 print up your your image, whatever it might be. Um, so use the promo code. You get 50 three inch by three inch stickers. You're going to get 50% off when you do that. That's $29.50 instead of $59. You will not find a better deal than that for riotstickers.com. Speaking of riot stickers, I actually just got a package from Riot Stickers HQ today. This just came in the mail. I have no idea what's inside. I, I texted Josh. I said, hey, buddy, thanks for the package. I'm going to open this up on air. I love it when people send me packages. It's great. It's so great. What's in the box? What's in the package? We're going to find out right now. I'm going to pull it out. Uh-oh. Feels like. <laughs> what? Holy shit. Hold on. I got to stand back to show you what this is. Yo. <laughs> Yo, look at this fucking thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at this banner, guys. This is a banner that you can have. You, too, can have a banner like this from Riotstickers.com. Yo. Now you can get a really good shot of what my image. That's my face. I put my face on the moon. Look. <laughs> it came out so nice. We're going to hang it up. I'll hang it up over here, I think. Right? Yeah, buddy. Yo. That is really, really sick, man. Thank you, Sharpie. Woo! I love it. Fucking love this thing. Look at this. I should walk around with like I could wear this as a cape. Look. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Moonface man. I, I think this needs to be the new backdrop. I just, you know, I feel like friggin' champion. Woo! That is. That is really, that is spectacular. I, I really, really, really like it. Like I said, guys, riotstickers.com. Look at the, I mean, they just, they just do it so well. Let's cut to the video and we'll get back to our discussion. Hold on one second. We make stickers, bell done and buttons too. Dun, 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 dun. There's nothing we can't print. Unbelievable. I, I love it, guys. Riotstickers.com. Check it out. Link in the description. Back to the show. Back to the show. So, um, Leather, Leatherface is now on, on the move, man. He is ready 
to uh, kill. And like I said, so we mentioned the, the sister Lily, who probably has the most interesting backstory because quite clearly she's someone who suffers from PTSD. She's been in a, in a situation. She's been shot. She has a bullet hole to show for it. Sorry, that was insensitive. She is a survivor with a wound, uh, an, uh, a wound from, from the thing that, from the trauma that she survived. And, um, but she says the one of the best lines in the movie for for me at least. Uh, she says for and this is this is the type of backstory that you need for your characters, man. It didn't make me want her to. It didn't make me wish that she would live more than maybe like I wished for her to live, but it made her more interesting. I found her more interesting. She says. Maybe it didn't feel it felt a little shoehorned even in, but I, I don't know. I, I admired it. I admired it. She says, everyone expects me to do something special with my life now because she survived a school shooting and I can only disappoint them. Uh, her friend. And then she says her friends who died were the special ones, not her. Um, and I when she said that, I was like, OK, you're definitely that. There's your plot armor. You're definitely going to survive this Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but it was good. That, I mean, that's good character building, man. Like that's you need that for your character. So I, I, I approve, man. The the script here was a good. It wasn't a bad script, man. Like the script worked. You know, like I said, that motivation was killer. Literally, you know, you had Leatherface comes out of retirement. What, like, what is? Because here's the thing. What makes what makes? And again, we keep comparing the two because they're so similar. What makes Michael Myers come out of retirement? He he sees the mask and it drives him to kill. Okay, I guess that does work, but eh, whatever. Um, in this case, what makes him kill? Here's the, here's what you have to do. You have to start writing in great movies, make the audience fill in the backstory themselves. So I have to use my imagination to fill in some of the parts. And that we where was this Leatherface before he arrived here? At some point. After what happens when Sally runs and escapes, uh, Leatherface finds his way into the care of this old woman. It's never explained. Maybe it's explained in a cutscene. It's never explained. Finds finds his finds himself in the care of this old woman and or or this woman who who's basically his keeper for fifty years. And like I said, she keeps the chainsaw away. She's this. She is the 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 thin fragile barrier between everyone else and the chainsaw she dies and now he is ready to un to let go to to unleash with the the chainsaw all over again you know um and you know i'll never forget in the original film if you watch it with the subtitles on you will see there is some context you know they they talks about there's this there's this whole thing about like how uh, Leatherface used to work at a slaughterhouse and the slaughterhouse closed up. There's no more work for for people like Leatherface. And so now it's like, you know, he's he Leatherface is going to kill one way or another. It's just a matter of who he's going to kill. And a part of me thought, you know what a great alt like uh, this old lady is like the, the 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 barrier is great. But you know what's an equally great barrier? Like bring that back. Bring that back. Where where does where does Leatherface go for the next 50 years after his rampage? He goes to the slaughterhouse, of course. And it's like you have Leatherface working in a slaughterhouse, uh killing every day because that's what satiates his thirst for blood. And then of course they shut the slaughterhouse down. 
and it's all because of these city folk who, you know, are trying to, um, you know, maybe they have like a vegan cause or something. I don't know. And that starts it up again. So I thought like that, like that is like an interesting notion, like that Leatherface doesn't, he doesn't disappear as much as like his desires are arrested because of some outside factor. And when that outside factor is killed via heart attack, he comes out of retirement. Totally bought that. Totally uh, uh, worked for me. Um, there's this whole little subplot. They're not sure if they actually own the house. Uh, Dante and Melody, the two chefs, turns out they might not own the house because the, the lady, she says, oh, there was a mix up. I actually still own my house. And Melody's like, no, you don't. I know what's best for you. You're an old woman. Like, you should not be living alone, blah, 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 blah. Who, you know, Melody is the one who sets this whole thing off, you know, in the first place. And um, I mean, because think about it. Leatherface is literally rotting away in this old decrepit house upstairs with this woman. He is, you know, if she had died from natural causes, do you think that he would have uh, skinned her face and then like put it on himself and like gone after people? I don't think so. I think he just kind of would have like, maybe he would have gone back to the Sawyer family residence, which is what he does in the end, the end scene. If you watch the after credit scene, he goes back to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre house or something akin to it. Um, in any case, the uh, yeah, man, he, he, he cut, he starts, he, he's, he's got his sights set on melody. He's got his sights set on uh, Dante, all of them, Lily and Ruth. And the thing is they, they're looking for the deed to the house because they think that they might not have it. And there's like this whole thing about that, which I thought that was really interesting, you know, going back to this idea of like city people who are like, smug and think they know it all and as it turns out they don't know it all they were wrong she did own the house everything that happens happens because they they like you know they because of them it's their fault that 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 kickstart well it's leatherface's fault like you know no one's telling leatherface to you know you, you should just not be murdering people period like straight up but you know they, they are the impetus for 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 provoking leatherface and um <clears throat> So I love that touch that they find the deed and we get a, we get an ode to <clears throat> one of the OG TCM killings with the kitchen kill. Um, Dante uh, gets cleaved in the kitchen. It's like a totally a nod. And then soon after that, we get an ode to Halloween. We get Laurie Strode action going on in the closet. Leatherface is looking for melody in the closet. A lot of cat and mouse stuff back and forth. Uh, and this is where we get this idea. All of like Leatherface's motivation and backstory is told visually, right? Um, so something happens. She he, he's under her care now that she's gone. He has no contents or no keeper. He's wearing the face to be like her and puts makeup on. It's like that's his way of keeping her alive. And it makes you wonder: Is this why he was wearing the the, the first face? Is the first face the face of his mother in the original film? Who knows? Um, we also get a little bit of a Texas good guy with the gun message when the uh, contractor character, he pulls up with his gun, you know, I don't know. It just sort of, and then we get this insane scene. He gets, he gets uh, killed. We get this insane scene. Probably the centerpiece of the whole film is the bus, the, 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 the bus slaughter scene. I mean, it is just brutal. I mean, this alone, I would say this, this 
movie earns its title, no matter where it's filmed, no matter who, what's going on, this film earns the title of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre with what happens on this bus. You have all these auctioners. They're on this cool retro-looking bus after they've auctioned off this town. It's raining outside. Everybody's partying on the bus. Leatherface comes on the bus, and I love how everybody's reaction, and I'm sure I didn't watch the trailer, but I'm sure this was in the trailer. Everybody puts their phone up to sort of live stream Leatherface, and dude says uh, a, a quote that is just absolutely ridiculous. He says, he says, I mean, he's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. He says something along the lines of um, don't uh, one one more step and you're uh, don't try anything stupid or you'll get canceled, bro. Something like that. He threatens canceling and then Leatherface slaughters everybody. I mean, everybody dies on the bus. Like 20 people get just massacred with a chainsaw. It is bloody, brutal. Uh, the two sisters, they make it into the bathroom and they're hiding. Oh, and I should mention there's this one scene where Leatherface, he's, you know, she's crawl, uh, Melody is crawling under the house and Leatherface is using the chainsaw to sort of tear through the floorboards and he hits a sewage pipe. And of course, the 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 raw sewage, the, the all the doo-doo poo-doo. Uh, pours out on Melody. And it's just like, again, it's like this idea of like, this is what we think of city people. Uh, so like I said that that theme really runs through the, the film. At least that's what I, I was picking up on that. Um, so they just, I mean, they just kill everybody. Oh, he says, try anything and you're canceled, bro. That's the quote. Uh, what a dumb thing. I Here's something. Why isn't canceled a horror film? Uh, the canceling or canceled. I'm I'm calling it out right there. If no one's made this movie yet, canceled, where people get canceled, if you know what I mean. I mean, that's perfect. Is that not perfect? I know they've made a film about Karens. There's a film called Amityville Karen and the Karening. So why not give us the canceling or get uh don't get canceled? How about that? You call it don't get canceled. Uh that that would make for a great Twitter, uh great tweet. Um, write a plot for uh don't get canceled um that would be interesting so so everybody gets cut the, there's a uh, a banker this chick she gets cut she gets brutally sawed in half you'd imagine that somebody in 2022 is going to get sawed in half with a texas chainsaw massacre film dagger love didn't even know that this movie exists um <laughs> People comes and bothers Leatherface for him to come out of retirement. He just wants to be left alone. I guess. I guess. But um, yeah, dude, uh, she tries crawling out the window and Leatherface just lops her off at the waist and we see the intestines. I mean, it was brutal, man. Brutal, brutal, brutal. And then this is where Sally converges. Sally, the sheriff, the old time sheriff, she converges. Let's cut over to Sally for a minute. So Sally hears Ruth mention that someone's wearing the face that's all she hears over the cb radio something like that and she knows now that or no 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 sorry gas attendant hears that gas attendant calls sally because he knows sally and her history and she's in the middle of slaughtering a pig she's butchering a upside down pig at her farm so and and again here is a perfect example of just perfect perfect um what's it called <laughs> Robbie says he's almost done with the movie. <laughs> he 
he rushed to finish the movie while we were doing this um the um <clears throat> we see that she's butchering a pig <laughs> robbie says you mean to tell me all these fucks couldn't fight him on the party bus uh i guess we know how robbie feels about the film in any case sally i love sally's backstory it's very very simple she's a sheriff she lives on a farm she slaughters she's 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 butchering a pig so, so clearly she's like she's like kind of like rugged and she spent this time looking for Leatherface, didn't find him and now she's ready to get her revenge i like this laurie strode a lot better than laurie strode it just it's more believable it feels good it makes sense why it's been it's been 50 years since that 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 infamous you know um incident totally worked for me totally totally worked for me i'm like and now she's ready to finally come after him and she really nails the character home with a line that she says later she gets probably the best one of the best lines in, in the whole film i said here um sally barely speaks but and that i love it but when she does it's useless exposition she literally says like are you leatherface do you remember me? I love when she, so she uses the sisters as bait. She meets up with the sisters. She traps them in her car, her like sheriff car and says, he's after you. So I have to use you as bait. Don't worry. You'll be okay. Sorry about this. So we kind of like, she is um, what I, that is a classical sense of what an antagonist is in real life. An antagonist is not, Sally is quite clearly one of the good guys or, you know, yeah, good guys. Um, but she's an, she's an antagonist. The protagonists are the two people that are running away from Leatherface, uh, the two sisters. And she is um, the antagonist is meant to go up against the, the protagonist and, and cause conflict. And that happens when Sally says, we're going to lock you. I'm going to lock you up in here and. You know, um, use you as bait. She's um, she's the badass without the Laurie Strode survival nonsense. And. She has a license to kill because she's a sheriff. It just it just works better, man. Uh, I love it when she finally confronts Leatherface. First, she 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 shoots at him. He he re, he re, retreats, goes back to the house, and she says the names of her friends because she keeps staring at this photograph of all of them on the bus that takes place in the opening of the original film, and it's a great way. It's a great way to tie it all together. You know what I'm saying? It, it just ties all together for me. So perfectly it ties together. So she, um, <clears throat> uh, what was I saying? What was I saying just now about something, 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 something? She goes, um, she says the names of her friends and her brother. I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. Like she's like acknowledging <clears throat> it's like she's she's practiced this in her head this whole time. Like, what would I ever do if I found Leatherface? I'd take my shotgun and I would say the names and then I want him to say my name. So she's like rehearsed in her head. This is what I imagine that she has rehearsed this confrontation this whole time. She says the names of her friends and then she tells Leatherface, I want you to say my name. I want you to recognize me. I want you to acknowledge my existence because it's almost like Sally wants Leatherface to know, or at least wants to know that Leatherface has been thinking about her the way that she's been thinking about him. And in the case of Laurie Strode, 
that happens to be the case. Laurie Strode has been thinking about Michael Myers this whole time, even though this happened once 40 years ago. And Michael Myers has been thinking about her this whole time or something like that, some sort of thing like that. Um, and uh, and what does is, what is Leatherface do? He walks right by her. He ignores her and she's flabbergasted. She is flabbergasted by the by the fact that he just walks by her. Um, she gets she it's like she gets upset. She goes, she wants him to remember the name, and then she's she's not sure. She's not sure if it's him or not. Uh, and then he goes for the girls in the car, and Sally um bl- uh, starts blasting away at Leatherface, and she laughs like a maniac as she does, and it's awesome. It's so fucking awesome to see her. Like you could see like her. Quite, you know what really made Sally work for me? How quiet she is. Someone who's been through this insane situation just doesn't talk. Like, I'm suffering from some sort of PTSD. That's not, I'm not trying to blanket generalize that people with PTSD don't talk. I'm just saying that in this case, she's like, you know, she's just a quiet person. That also really worked for me. Um, but then when she sees Leatherface and she's shooting at him, she's just like, ah! She's like laughing. Thought that worked. Um, Leatherface gets her, man. It's kind of stupid. He just sort of charges at her and he 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 chainsaws her right through the belly and lifts her up and throws her into some trash bags. And she's still alive. And she sort of blows him, blows him away a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, the girls, they kind of drive off in the car because Sally gives him the key. So Sally sort of uh, becomes uh, a savior of the cat. She goes, all right, guys, get out of here. She's not using him as bait anymore. They crash the car. Um, Melody gets pinned and she tells her sister, she goes, listen, run away. I know I'm going to get killed now. It's okay. I need to get, I'm going to get killed. I want you to live, live for both of us, that kind of thing. And she does like, again, this script continues to surprise the shit out of me from time to time. She apologizes to Leatherface. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for killing your mother. I don't know how she knew it was her his mother. I don't think it was his mother. I don't know. I honestly don't know. We never see her in the first film. So I don't really, I think that like, but she's quite clearly a mother figure. She is the mother figure after Leatherface has clearly lost his family in some way, shape, or form. You know what might happen? Leatherface stays with his family. They all die off. And then Leatherface um, gets adopted by this lady at an orphanage. That's probably what happened. And he becomes dull and sort of like, you know, like, like not harmless, but arrested in his murderous appetites. And that all gets undone. But I love that she apologizes. It just I thought that was so interesting. Um, And then we have the the survivor picking up a gun to use using a gun to overcome her trauma. So Lily appears. She has a gun. The <clears throat> survivor of a gun shooting has a gun herself. It doesn't work. The, there's the safety's on. Doesn't quite work. They that the fight rushes out into the street again. This empty town that where there's literally only four people, and Sally isn't quite dead yet. She she shoots Leatherface. He retreats into a movie theater, and then she gives the best advice ever. So Sally, and this is what this goes back to what someone said earlier about like the passing of the torch or what's supposed to be a passing of the torch. She says uh, this was perfect and it was a passing of the torch. She says, don't run. If you run, he will never stop haunting you. And then she reloads the gun for Lila. 
and that's her name, not Lily. Her name is Lila. Then she reloads the gun for Lila and she, uh, and she dies. She, 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 she just, you know, she lets go, but it's interesting. It basically tells us her entire history in that one line. And that is good writing. That is good writing. I don't care if you don't like the movie or you like the movie, you can't fucking deny that's good writing in that with that one line, we learn everything about 50 years, Sally's 50 years. And it doesn't feel like it's spoon fed. Don't run. If you run, he will never stop haunting you because he, she sees that, that Lila is now the new final girl survivor lady. And that like, you know, Sally runs into the back of a pickup truck and literally loses her mind. Like, remember the last time we see Sally, she's laughing maniacally covered in blood, like completely, like completely having lost her mind. And now, and now freaking um, here she is at the end of her life, 50 years later. And she's, she's telling, she's telling, Lila, the one thing that she probably wished someone told her, right? Um, the and then this is where I noted the town survived, like the town still existed, so that this could happen. This sort of this sort of uh, uh, transference needed to happen. Um, I love that Melody. Probably the coolest thing that Melody does in the whole film is at the very end when. Um, her sister is like about to die and Melody, uh, she uses the, the chainsaw to sort of finish Leatherface. I thought that was great. Love that moment. Totally worked for me. Um, everything's over now. Lila, then the completion of the torch passing happens when Lila picks up the hat and the photo, the photo of the friends from the first film who were all murdered. And she put, puts on, um, Sally's hat and, they hop in their 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 neat little electric car that self drives and set the course for Austin back to their safe haven of Austin. But of course, Leatherface isn't dead because Leatherface is like Michael Myers. He's like invincible, which is so stupid uh, that that's the stuff that I really roll my eyes at. And he does the best thing ever. He cuts off Melody's head. Loved it. Loved it. I was laughing. I was like, this is great. Um, we all did not like Melody and she she got it. That's what happens with characters you don't like. And her sister, Lila, is being driven away in the self-driving car. She's got her head out the moonroof, the sun, whatever, the sunroof. And she's going, no! And she's literally running away from Leatherface, de destined to be further haunted. Because here's the thing. When Sally says that to her, she knows because she's haunted by the school shooting works so well and then we get the credits we get an end scene after the credits where we see leatherface going back to the house all right let's go to all these comments we got some comments here um amy says everyone are so glued to their phones nowadays and they lose all reality of the situation that's most certainly true when death has come for these people and they don't recognize it and instead choose to film their own death in with on on the bus uh demir says i hope i pronounced your, your name right demir says the movie also seems to be anti-gun it did have an anti-gun uh tilt to it i i also felt that um i'm surprised it didn't take the easy route and become an anti-confederate message for the entire movie 
I mean, it wasn't, uh, it, it, it most certainly was anti-Confederate in that kind of way too, because we have that moment with the black guy seeing the Confederate flag. But like, um, I mean, that's like a no brainer. Like it's one thing, you know, you have two sides of an argument that I'm, I'm taking myself out of this situation. I'm not talking about me personally, but I'm saying in general, you have two sides of an argument where one, pe one, per one, one group of people think that guns are wrong. And one people think that guns are right. And there's many factors on both sides and it goes back and forth. In the case of the anti-Confederate flag, it's a lowest common denominator because of course the Confederate flag is wrong. More than like it's like you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to even give it any brain power because obviously the Confederacy was you know trying to preserve slavery, and slavery is the worst thing that human beings ever done to other human beings. Or one of them, right? That kind of thing. So um, I, I feel like you can't have an anti-Confederate flag message because it's just so obvious. It's just so duh, you know. Um, although maybe not in this day and age, who knows? Uh, because there's a lot of uh, whatever. In any case, um, it does seem to be anti-gun. I do agree. I did get that 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 like that was that subtle message was was weaved in from the from the gun sh from the 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 school shooting survivor situation to the uh, Texas thing. But then I'm also getting like the good uh, the uh, the good guy. Oh no! Oh sorry. What am I saying? Anti-gun, not anti-gun. Hold on. May I correct myself? Pro-gun. It did not seem anti-gun. It seemed pro-gun. Wrong, 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 wrong. Guns solved all the problems. Despite being in a school shooting, it doesn't matter that you were in a school shooting because guns will solve the problem of Leatherface. That is, that's what I pulled out of it. Sorry, I was reading, I was reading that all wrong just now. I think it was a pro-gun film. I don't think it was an anti-gun film. Um, unless you want to say that guns were 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 useless against Leatherface. I don't know, man. I think it was pretty, I think it was pretty pro-gun. They were trying to make it like just the fact that the guy at the beginning, the contractor, he's like, Yeah, well, I need this gun because we have feral hogs that come into our townlands. Quite clearly, he's talking about those city folk, those feral city folk that come into our town limits they all need to be shot and killed that kind of thing uh and then the shotgun here let me reload the shock you need the shotgun in order to kill other face that kind of thing i don't know i i thought it was pro gun what's up lark bark aka mr red aka mr black is in the house he hasn't seen it yet so he can't put any thoughts in I, we spoiled the crap out of it so be careful amy says it's a surrogate mother the old woman was probably the last of the Sawyer family. I don't know. I don't know. If, I think I agree with you. I think it's a surrogate mother. I don't think she was part of the last of the Sawyer family. Robbie says that Leatherface runs worse than Steven Seagal in this film. <laughs> um, Confederacy sucks. End of discussion. I didn't get the anti-gun message in the beginning, but it's sort of flip-flop when they realize they need it. Yeah, I'm saying I don't think it was anti-gun. I think it was pro-gun. I think it was pro-gun, despite the fact that she was in a school shooting, which is like the number one sort of like um, sequitur. No, that's not the right word. Is it the right word? Sequitur. It's the number one impetus for gun regulation and legislation. No matter the fact that she was had been shot by a gun and seen what guns could do, guns were the solution to her problem in deep, in deep rural Texas against the against uh leatherface you know that kind of thing and it, i also thought it was kind of goofy that sally calls him leatherface 
unless that's like the nickname that the media has given Leatherface based on the drawings that those drawings that we talked about at the beginning. Oh, that's a lot of talking in 82 minutes. We've talked for as long as the film is. So you could literally watch the film in the time that we talked. What did you think of Leatherface? Do you like these long reviews where it's like we where I have notes and we're just going through the movie? Uh, if you enjoyed this one, you should check out the Halloween. We did the Halloween kills um, uh, during 31 days of Halloween. That that's I think that's about 60 minutes long. That goes super in depth with Halloween kills. So check that out as well. Um, more shows coming. Make sure you subscribe. Did you subscribe to this channel? We need your subscriptions. That really, really helps. Uh, lots of special Patreon videos coming. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, next, March's uh, Lodi Files is a, a doozy. It's like, it, it's got a lot of, lot of, lot of editing, a lot of... Um, uh production production design in it i don't know if that's the right word not production design i'm just tired um my wife is out of the country i've been taking care of our six-year-old and uh two-year-old and they are very tiring makes it really hard to jump down here want to um talk but had to get that out had to talk about texas chainsaw massacre tune in tomorrow we're doing sinful celluloid with uh, Christopher J. Jimenez, Christopher M. Jimenez, that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I've run out of fuel, you guys. I've run out of fuel. Dagger Love says, I'm pretty sure in part two, chew? What? What you talking about? Um. Okay, Amy, you like the review. You like this review. Chop, oh, Chop, Chop called him Leatherface. Right, 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 right. But I, I know, but like in in part two is nothing to do with this new one. They're, they're separate timelines because in this day and age, every film has to be a separate timeline. I will say, ultimately, ultimately, this film is the best. It's the best one, dude. Like the best sequel, one of them. I mean, it works really well. It was a solid sequel. I love Texas Chancellor Massacre 2. Put it right up there with Texas Chancellor Massacre 2. It just worked, man. Um, Robbie hated the ending. Robbie, I disagree, man. I, I really, really disagree. I Ending totally worked for me. Way better than Texas Chainsaw 3D, which came out in 2013. Um, God, I'm trying to think what else. I've got anything else for you guys? I don't think so. I think this is the end. Uh, it's late. It's midnight. I got to I got to be up. I'm going to have two little two little shalunkies are going to jump on me in six hours. Tell daddy, daddy, it's time to get up at the crack of six. Uh, and we're going to have another fun filled day as a family stuck inside because there's nowhere to go. No places to take a two year old. So cool. So, so cold outside. Have them blow up some steam in the mall. Run run them around laps. You could do that. He <laughs> uh, doesn't hate it, but it's ridiculous. Ah, I mean, there, there are definitely ridiculous points. If you go back earlier in this review, you'll see what I'm talking about. Again, I just want to thank one more time. I want to thank Sharpie Riot for this. If you did not 
If you did not see the banner, once again, check this out. Riotstickers.com. Freaking gorgeous. I'm going to use this as a blanket. I'm going to sleep on this tonight. I love it. I fucking love it. God damn, is it cool. Uh, they filmed, from what I heard, they filmed in a location that wasn't in Texas, but trying to make viewers believe it was. I mean, they do that a lot with movies. They do that a lot. They do that all the time with movies. That That's not new. <laughs> Ballad says they called him Leatherfuck. <laughs> uh, okay. You know about the Patreon? Let me tell you about the Patreon. The peace and the... Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee, but it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.